Tonight, on the great feast of all saints, let's take a few minutes to remind ourselves of some absolutely foundational truths. First, let's stop and consider a very important truth that Holy Mother Church is placing before our mind's eye today and tomorrow. For the next two days, we consider the saints in heaven and the poor souls. And we should recall a truth that's virtually ignored in our noisy, materialistic society. We need to recall the absolute importance of a good death. For the next two days, we're remembering everyone who ever lived, every man, woman, or child, everyone that's ever lived, who actually succeeded at the most important thing that any one of us is ever going to do. We're remembering everyone who lived who actually had a good death. Saturday morning, I baptized a beautiful little baby boy. Will he be rich or poor? We don't know. Will he be healthy or sick? We don't know. Will he die when he's young or when he's old? We don't know. Will he have a good death or a bad death? We don't know. What we do know for sure is that he will die. As St. Paul said, it is appointed for men once to die, and after that, the judgment. It is appointed for man once to die, and after that, the judgment. Each one of us is under the sentence of death. Each one of us here must die, but we know not the day nor the hour. Each one of us should ask himself, will I have a good death? Will I die in the state of grace? Will I join the members of the church suffering or church triumphant? Will I? In the book of the prophet Jeremiah, we read, quote, Thus saith the Lord, Behold, I set before you the way of life and the way of death. I will visit upon you according to the fruits of your own doings, saith the Lord. Close quote the prophet Jeremiah. I set before you the way of life and the way of death. I will visit upon you according to the fruits of your own doings. God has offered each one of us the path to eternal joy, but he won't force us to take it, and he won't stop us from taking the path to eternal damnation, if that's the way we choose. As St. Alphonsus points out, the choice rests with us, but how will he who wishes to walk in the way of hell be able to reach heaven. All sinners wish for salvation, but in the meantime, by their own choice, they condemn themselves to hell, hoping somehow they will be saved. St. Francis de Sales says, if angels were capable of weeping, they would shed tears of pity at the sight of a soul that commits a mortal sin and loses state of grace. 
If angels were capable of weeping, they would shed tears of pity at the sight of a soul who commits a mortal sin and loses the state of grace. And as St. Alphonsus points out, the greatest misery is that the angels would weep if it were in their power. And yet the sinner weeps not. The sinner weeps not. St. Augustine says that God has promised pardon to sinners who repent, but he has not promised tomorrow. Maybe he will give it, and maybe he will not. All eternity hangs on one thing, whether or not we have a good death, whether or not we die in the state of grace. All eternity hangs on that one defining moment. If we have a good death, we're saved. Oh sure, we may spend time in purgatory, but ultimately we're going to spend eternity in heaven. We need to act accordingly. We know not the day nor the hour. We need to be constantly ready to meet our Lord. We need to remain in the state of grace. All eternity hangs on that. That's the first foundational truth. The second foundational truth we'll consider tonight is something we've also seen before, but it bears reviewing. We'll take a quick look at the teaching of the church about the ultimate rewards to those who indeed have a good death, heaven, and the joys of the saints in heaven. The first question is, is heaven a place? The most blessed trinity is a spirit. The angels are spirits. Spirits don't occupy space. Is heaven a place? It's a good question. As the late great Father Gary Lagrange pointed out, heaven is both a place and a condition. Heaven is both the place and the condition of the highest possible unending happiness. Everyone who prays the rosary knows that there are at least two bodies in heaven. Our Lord, who ascended into heaven, and Our Lady, who is assumed into heaven. So, since there are bodies in heaven, and since bodies are made out of matter, and since matter spreads its parts out in space, then heaven has space, which is another way of saying it's definitely a place. Well, if it's a place, where is it? We don't know for sure. Since it's a place, and we don't know for sure where it is, how are we supposed to get there? We can start by seeing how we're not able to get there. We can't get there by any natural means. It's totally impossible to get to heaven naturally. And to make matters even worse, as the inspired word of God says, by nature, we are born children of wrath. What is that supposed to mean? It means that thanks to Adam and the original sin, we're born as members of a fallen race, under the dominion of the devil, as members of an army at war with God. That explains why on Saturday morning when I baptize a child, you do exorcisms before you, first, before you baptize a child. First, the power and the dominion of the kingdom of darkness is crushed, 
and then the child is moved into the kingdom of light. Okay, Father, if we can't get to heaven naturally, how do we get to heaven? We have to die in a state of grace. Since by nature we're children of wrath, we can't do anything to actually deserve that kind of death. We have to burn this into our minds. God does not owe me heaven. God does not owe me heaven. God does not owe me heaven. Now wait a minute, Father. What are you telling us? If we have to die in the state of grace to get to heaven, but we can't do anything to deserve that kind of death, and if by our nature we're born children of wrath, then how are we supposed to get to heaven? Remember that grace, as the word signifies, is a gift. In order to get to heaven, we have to have a very particular grace. It's called the grace of a final perseverance or the grace of a happy death. How do we get this grace if we can't do anything to deserve it? We ask for it. We pray for it. See, even if we can't do anything to deserve it, if we strive to lead a holy life and beg God for the gift of perseverance, if we beg God for the gift of a holy death, God, who desires the salvation of all men, will infallibly give it to us. Remember how St. Philip Neri used to tease little children when he's done teaching them the catechism. He's asked the little children, All right, children, is it easy to go to hell? Little kids will say what they think. Oh, yes, Father, it is easy to go to hell. He'd say, That's right. But don't ever forget that it's also very, very easy to go to heaven. Would you like to know an easy way to go to heaven? Oh, yes, Father, we would. Say your three Hail Marys. Say the three Hail Marys. When the Blessed Virgin appeared to St. Matilda, and gave her this message. St. Matilda was praying, how can we be saved? Say the three Hail Marys without fail. We say that. Everyone here should say the three Hail Marys in morning and night for holiness and purity. And every evening for holiness and purity. We say them in the morning and at night. Think when you're saying it about that beautiful phrase at the end of Hail Mary, where we beg the Mother of God to intercede for us that we have a holy death. Holy Mary, Mother of God, pray for us sinners now and at the hour of our death. At the hour of our death. Say your three Hail Marys. Say the three Jesus, Mary, and Joseph prayers. Wear your brown scapular. Make your nine first Fridays, your five first Saturdays. These are all gifts from heaven. Wonderful gifts from heaven. Even though we don't deserve final perseverance, if we ask for it faithfully and we live accordingly, in other words, live a Catholic life, a truly Catholic life, a truly Catholic life, God will grant it us. Salvation is free, but it isn't cheap. God doesn't owe us heaven. Okay, so God doesn't owe us heaven. In order to get there, we have to die in the state of grace. And heaven is the place of the highest possible happiness. But you also said it was a condition, the condition of the highest possible happiness. What does that mean? It means that the creatures there, that is to say the angels and saints, have the beatific vision, which is another way of saying they're enjoying the highest possible happiness. What's the beatific vision? If we're saved, that's how we'll see God in heaven. St. Paul says that we shall know as we are known. 
that here we see through a glass darkly, but there we shall see face to face. St. John the Apostle says, we shall see him as he is. We shall know as we are known. Now to understand what the Holy Ghost is telling us here, think about how we know things right now. How do we know things? By means of ideas in our intellect. Remember, we don't know things directly with our intellect. Our intellects don't know directly. Take, for example, apple. Our intellect doesn't directly know apples. How do we know apples? We see apples, we handle them, we get all this sensory knowledge that comes into we get an image of apple. And our intellect reaches into the imagination, works with that, and brings it up into the world of ideas. So we know apples by contact with our imagination, and that's in contact with our senses. So if we have a wrong idea about apples, like maybe I can't see very well, I've caught my glass or I can't smell very well, and it's the first time I've caught an apple, I have a very vague notion of it, that's human knowledge. We don't see clearly things as they really are, we see them through our senses. In this life we know things by means of the ideas we have of them. That's how we know God right now, by means of the ideas we have of him. But in heaven, please God, we'll get there, we'll see him. Not with our eyes, because you don't have your eyes, to the resurrection of the dead on judgment day. How can we see God without eyes? Our intellect be in direct contact with God. The theologians have a fancy expression for this. He said, they say the divine species is impressed into the intellect. The point is that instead of an idea, by knowing God, by means of an idea of God, God himself is in direct contact with our intellect. Which leads to the question, if God himself is in direct contact with our intellect, why doesn't that just sizzle us? Good reason. The reason we don't instantly barbecue is because, as the Council of Vienne taught, God gives a supernatural power to the intellect so it can gaze on the divine essence. That supernatural power is called the light of glory. We can see God without eyes because he's in direct contact with the intellect, and the intellect has been strengthened by the light of glory just for that exact purpose. So why is this the beatific vision? Our intellect is made to know truth. And we are in direct contact with inexhaustible, ineffable, infinite truth. We've totally pegged the truth meter. We're in absolute contact with him. Our attention will be totally absorbed in God, but it will be so overwhelming, we wouldn't be able to express what we see. Since only one word can perfectly express the divine essence, and that's the eternal word. And in this vision, everything's harmonized. Our, infinites, our, our intellects are finite, and we're gazing on the infinite God. So mysteries still remain, but they can be harmonized. The Council of Florence taught, quote, The elect will see clearly the one and triune God himself, just as he is, close quote. What are some of the things we'll be able to see? In this one vision, in the first place, we'll be able to see God just as he is. We'll be able to see in a finite fashion, but still all harmonized, all God's perfections, which is to say his infinite goodness, his infinite beauty, his infinite mercy, his infinite justice, his infinite love, his infinite wisdom, and so on and so on. We'll be able to see in the unity of the one God, the eternal word being begotten of the Father and the Holy Ghost proceeding from both. The same vision will see the Word made flesh. We'll see the infinite value of each holy mass, the fullness of grace, the Blessed Virgin Mary. We'll see all other saints in heaven. We'll be able to see our friends and relatives back on earth and their needs. That's just a short list of what the saints in heaven can see right now 
in one harmonious vision that can never be lost. That in itself is pretty amazing, but just knowing something, even knowing something really good, doesn't make us totally happy here. I can't see why this would be the ultimate and perfect happiness everyone tells me heaven is supposed to be. Remember that God is infinite goodness. Infinite goodness, no limits whatsoever. So the saints, once they see God face to face, love Him above all things, since now they can clearly see that God is infinitely better than any and all the particular goods, even all of them and all creation added up. He's infinitely better than everything, all the creatures in the whole universe. And remember that our will is made to love God. And now, once our intellect is in contact with this infinite goodness, our will, which has been made precisely for goodness, just slams on. And for all eternity, we'll be in direct contact with this infinite, ineffable, incredible goodness that's God. That pegs the pleasure meter totally over. It's totally pegged. And all this truth, all this goodness, it's infinite and eternal, constantly new, never the slightest bit dull or tiring or anything but wonderful. One of the neatest parts of all this that I like meditating on is in that very first moment, the first moment when someone gets the beatific vision as they're entering heaven, that first instant of pleasure, it's the first catching of the breath when you actually look at this infinitely beautiful God. That moment lasts forever. It's one eternal springtime, one eternal youth. It's just breathtaking wonder and awe and amazement and love. And it never grows old. It can't dull at all. It never does anything but always leave you fresh, always ca catching your breath, always just gaping at the incredible beauty and goodness. This just moment of total awestruck love that will last forever. St. Augustine gives an idea of this love with his famous cry, How late have loved thee, O ancient beauty, always old and yet always new. Okay, the blessed can't lose the beatific vision. They're up there in total ecstasy. But since every single saint sees the same God directly in heaven, doesn't that mean that everyone's completely equal up there? Isn't each saint exactly as happy as all the rest as he made when he makes it into heaven? Not by any means. The Council of Florence taught, quote, The elect will see clearly the one and true triune God himself, just as he is, some more perfectly than others, according to their respective merits. Close quote. In other words, the happiness of anyone in heaven depends on how much grace he died with. More grace, more glory, more glory, more happiness. She's on top. That's the beatific vision. And at the end of the world, when we get our bodies back, it only gets better because those faculties are perfected and made perfectly pleasurable beyond anyone's wildest imaginations. Let's review. We've seen the most important thing we'll ever do is die, since that is the defining moment that determines what we'll be doing for all eternity. It determines our destiny. We've seen heaven's a place. There's at least two bodies there, our Lord and the Blessed Virgin. We've seen in order to get to heaven, we have to die in the state of grace. And we've seen in order to die in the state of grace, it takes a particular grace called the grace of final perseverance, also known as the grace of a happy death. 
we've seen we can obtain this grace with humble and confident prayer. We've seen the beatific vision is a direct contact of the intellect with God. It's made possible by a supernatural power called the light of glory. We've also seen that we'll be absorbed in God without words to express His beauty. We've seen that our will, strengthened by supernatural charity, will be slammed onto the infinite goodness of God in a never-ending, breathtaking, awestruck gasp. We've seen that the saints have different degrees of happiness depending on the amount of grace they died with. And at the end of the world, when the saints get their bodies back, this pleasure will only increase. As the Holy Spirit speaking to St. Paul says, Eye has not seen, nor has ear heard, nor has it entered in the heart of man what things God has prepared for those who love him. Let's close by asking ourselves a few questions. Each one of us needs to ask himself, Since I can't earn heaven, am I praying for the grace of holy death? Am I saying my three Hail Marys? Am I striving to keep on the straight and narrow and live a holy life? Am I in the state of grace? Because if I'm not and I die, I can't live the life of heaven. I can't see the beatific vision. For all eternity, I can never be happy.